It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's a new week here in Major League Baseball, and it is craziness happening all over the place. We got Mets and Padres. We got all kinds of things happen over in New York. I'm really excited for today's show. Welcome to Big Time Baseball here on Odyssey Sports. I'm Cody Decker, and of course with me as always, the one and only Tony Gwynn Jr. How you doing, Tony? I'm well, Cody. Uh, it's been starting to get hot now. Bats maybe starting to tick up, but... Uh... There's still that one guy out in New York that is throwing absolute pellets right now, and I got a first-class seat uh, to see it. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody, you can follow me at Tony Gwynn Jr. on Twitter. He's at Decker6, and now you can follow this show on Twitter as well. Check us out at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And uh, it's it's starting to get interesting around Major League Baseball, Cody. It really is. And you mentioned some dude in New York throwing pellets. You got to watch it up close and personal. Jacob deGrom, Jacob deGrom, Jacob deGrom. We talked about it last week. We discussed and we discussed at length how you and I are completely against any pitcher ever winning the MVP award. And we both 100% agree that Jacob deGrom is your NL MVP, and he showed it to you up close and personal in San Diego. Tony, what did you see? I mean, I, I'm at a loss of words for what I saw, honestly. Like, the, the shit he was throwing up there today, or that day, was... I, you can't account for it. You just can't. As a hitter, he's throwing 100 miles per hour almost every pitch. He didn't drop below 100 until about the fifth inning. Uh, all the rest of his fastballs were 100, 101. He's throwing a slider that's 93 to 94 through five innings. When it dropped, it dropped to like 91, 92. A slider. And I'm not talking about a little cutter. I'm talking about an actual slider. And then he's got the changeup that's like 91, 92 either. So he's kind of just kind of thrown out the curveball. He threw one. And I think he's thrown two all season. And it's the only pitch below 90 miles per hour. And with that, just that three pitch mix alone and the way he commands, I, 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 Cody, I can't tell you, I haven't seen anybody do that maybe since Pedro. Uh, we're talking, we're, we're putting him in that kind of class right now with the way he has dominated over the last almost decade. 
not just that class, man. He is starting to build like his own class. DeGrom is becoming like a living legend. It's becoming a holiday on social media. Just the only thing, uh, number one trending thing in baseball, DeGrom. Everybody talks about it. Everybody has to watch it. I've never seen anything like it. And there's something you actually mentioned. You mentioned that slider at 93-94. I have faced in my career, I, I played for 11 years. I think I faced two guys that can throw 101 miles per hour. And not and when I say 101, I mean they've touched 101. They don't sit for 10 right. straight pitches at 101. Right. It's madness. Like, I don't understand. And you mentioned that 93, 94 mile power slider. Put this into context, people. You know, if you're a casual fan or you're a diehard fan, think about when I was a kid. The most feared closer in baseball you could probably say was Rod Beck when I was a kid. Rod Beck threw his fastball at like 92 to 4. That's how hard Jacob DeGrom's slider is. We are living in a different world right now, and I don't even know how anyone can even keep up. Even Jace Tingler even threw out there, hey, man, look at it. What do you do? I mean, what can you do against this guy? They asked Jace before the game, before DeGrom started. It was like, so how do, you, how do you plan to attack him? What do you think can have success? And he answered it, and I give him a lot of credit. He was so honest. He said, I don't know. I've never seen it done before. And he continues to have never seen it done before. I'm telling you, there was there was a certain sequence where, you know, there was, there was some thought that you, maybe you try to grind DeGrom out, but then you're hitting with two strikes all night long. And when you're laying off that 93, 94 mile per hour slider, when you actually do see it, guess what? It's still a strike. And so for me, the thing that I, I, I am just blown away by, and I'm not even a pitching guy, but even the naked eye watching him him go through his windup, he repeats his motion. It's all it's identical. You can't pick out anything different with his motion. He doesn't have any hesitations. He gives you the same fluid motion every time. And I tell you, man, I, I walked away so impressed. Uh, what what he was able to do when he need when, the couple the two times he got into trouble, he got into trouble in the second and the fourth. It was like he turned it up a dial. He knew he needed no contact in the fourth, so he got two strikeouts to end, to end that inning. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. He, right now, and by the way, he lowered his ERA from like 0.71 to like 0.62, something like that. It is 0.62 as we speak. <laughs> most unbelievable uh, ERA after nine starts in baseball history. We are watching something that I don't know if we'll ever see again, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean – Especially as they start cracking down on on, on some of the issues, the the substance issues. We'll we'll get to that here in, in a sec in a sec, probably later on in the show. But uh, I, I'm I I can't even debate you on that, Cody. I, we may not ever see anything. And this guy's talk he's talking about pitching in terms of the way Brady talks about being a quarterback. Like he wants to pitch into his forties, and I'm just. I'm here to watch. I'm here. I'm. I'm here for it all. Because if he's going to look like this and decline at a rate that is acceptable, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a, a long, long time. Here's the question: You talk. He talks about pitching into his 40s. Uh, obviously, that's probably not all that feasible. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But to pitch at this type of dominance, but a name that really comes to my mind whenever I'm thinking about how dominant he is right now is a guy like Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum, who had a dominant three, four years where he was unhittable, what two Cy Young awards, and then he kind of fell off a very, very steep ledge really quick. Uh, is that something you think that can actually happen to Grom a few years down the road? I, I hope not. But 
It's something I, that I, does cross my mind. I have less doubt about him than I do any other pitcher. A, because unlike Tim Lincecum, who was in the lab working on his, his biomechanics at an early age, DeGrom didn't start throwing to his last year at Stetson. And I think that that means a lot. He don't have the, the wear and tear. And I think he's the type of guy – and here's the other thing that was mind-blowing. I have to mention this. So often now, when pitchers get end up having to run – or you know, run the bases. Uh, we see that kind of trend, kind of go in the opposite way when to get back on the mound, right? They they lose command. He in two different at bats, he hit a ground ball. One of them he beat out. He was rolling down the first baseline like as hard as he possibly could. He beat one of them out. Had to had to run the bases on the field. There was no sign of any fatigue at any point. And the, the crazy part, he went seven against the Padres. If he hadn't been on the IL two different stints this year, I'm sure they would have let him go uh, to nine because he only had like 70-something, 80-something pitches, low 80s when they pulled him out of the game. I, I think this guy is working at a different pace than everybody else. Whatever he's doing in terms of his conditioning, because that was mind-blowing to me. Every time, it's almost like clockwork. Pitcher gets on base, they have some type of hiccup the following inning. Just didn't happen. Dude didn't run out of gas. I think he just seems like with that with the repeatable mechanics, uh, the 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 amount of bullets he probably has left because he didn't start pitching at an early age. I just see him maybe being one of those guys that could pull it off pitching into his forty. He might be, and I I want to see it. I truly truly want to see it because he is that ridiculous. I've not. I, I like I said. I think we're watching something that we're never going to see again, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of it. But you mentioned the doctoring of the balls. And I know we're probably going to talk about it a little bit more later on the show, but there was a little video showing DeGrom going to his glove and going to his hand a little bit. And a few of the players, his teammates immediately on social media decided to quote tweet the actual video. Tomas Nito immediately said, trust me, he doesn't use anything. Stroman came out and said another thing. It was like five straight players on the thread immediately defending him. And quite frankly, it doesn't even matter if he does or doesn't put something on the ball. You ain't hitting it. Yeah, I, I look at this the same way the whole nonsense about Fernando was peeking at signs that day. Like it you catch a still shot, you look at some video in, in one instance with no with no type of uh understanding of what's going on around that video. People can make any kind of conclusions um that it was by the way, it was a Dodger fan that looked like that posted that. He might be feeling some type of way because Bauer may be getting hit over the head with some of this. And by the way, even though Bauer is the one that's kind of brought it to everybody's attention, I think that was by design to be, to, to begin with. But that being said, I'm not buying it. I don't think I watched that game and I'm always looking for pitchers doing that as a, as a former position player that knows what's going on. Um, I, I'm always looking for that. I didn't see anything that maybe caught my eye. I checked that video out. It seemed like a whole lot about nothing to me. It seemed the same to me. It didn't seem like much. It was uh, grasping at straws at best. Right. And like you said, you know, it was a Dodger fan. A lot of people not a little up in arms about how uh, Bauer is being singled out. And like you said, Bauer's been talking about people doctoring balls for years. He's even thrown out names of certain players, whether <laughs> yes. whether or not that's the right thing to do or not. Hey, man, he, to do that without any actual proof is a bit rough. But, you know... He has gone out there and he had his Cy Young year last year, and it did seem as though he was doing certain things slightly different, almost like he was proving a point. Here's the thing. I just don't understand what that point is, and right. I still don't. Right. It, it's, it, was, 
it, it, it almost it seems like he was pointing out baseball. This is going on. You're not doing anything about it. So here's what here's what you could do, or here's what you can do when you use this stuff. But at the same time, it kind of and he ends up winning a Cy Young. And that's not to say he was or wasn't, but it certainly seems like he it was on a mission to prove a point. And whatever the point was got lost somewhere in the middle of this, you know, kind of transition of of baseball figuring out what was going on and actually having proof uh, to actually go do something about it. And when Bauer was trying to bring it to attention somewhere in between there and then and there, it kind of seemed to, to, to go awry. We don't really know what the message is at this point. So now he's smack dab in the middle of it because people are looking at him as kind of the poster child of it. Well, you know, we're talking so much about DeGrom and doctoring baseballs and everything, but here's the thing. They're playing down in San Diego, a team that is still hot and still winning ball games. You have the luxury of watching them every day. Fernando Tatis Jr., does he do something just extraordinary every night? Because it seems like he does. Yeah, pretty much. He pretty much does. Uh, I mean, the one highlight for the Padres in that DeGrom start was his broken bat double down the right field line that really he turned into a double. It was a hustle double. It should have been a single, but the dude, it, it was like he was living. He was, he was ready for that moment. He wanted all the smoke from, from DeGrom and he went out and did what Fernando Tatis Jr. does now because it's DeGrom that was limited. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like even for a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. He was, it was, it was a tough day for, for, for most of the Padres. So uh, it's, it's one of those situations, you know, in that particular matchup, you didn't get to see it, but I mean, the following day, I mean, this guy comes off of the kind of the IL one day, it, it missed the first last game in Chicago comes off of that, uh, off day, basically hits a homer to dead center in the first game of the series against the, the Mets. He pretty much produced three quarters of the offense in the first game against the Mets. He comes back, has another multi-hit game the second day. You know, and then, you know, the Mets pitching staff kind of takes over from there. But uh, Fernando's just fun to watch. He does something every day that that has your jaw dropped and in, in, in almost something you feel like you've never seen before. Well, good things happening over in Queens for the Mets. They took two or three out of in San Diego, at San Diego for that matter. Uh, they do got the Padres coming back again. They got another series coming up against them. But in between, they got two games against the Orioles. I don't really see the Mets slowing down anytime soon. What do you think? They're a good, they're a good team, man. And this is without them being healthy at all. And you know what? To be honest, almost every team can say that around baseball yeah. right now. Nobody's healthy at all. There's lots, so many injuries, uh, more than I can ever remember. At least every team seems to have five or six or seven guys on that IL um, that that can make a difference. So uh, I, I think with the Mets. The thing that you, I walked away from the Padre Mets series. The Padres took the first two, Mets took the last two. Is when you get to that front part of the rotation and you're dealing with the likes of of, of Degrom and and Stroman. Whew, uh, they do it differently, but they're both artists with the baseball, and 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 they can cause a lot of problems. And that team scores enough. I mean, they may not have their guys in. That they that that were supposed to be a part of this uh, lineup on an everyday basis, but the guys they got out there, they compete and they they do enough to score runs, and that's why um, that team is it's not a mistake that they're three and a half, four and a half up in that National League East while everybody else is is kind of you know not really playing good baseball. But I, I, I'm interested to think what you think about those Mets. 
You know, I think they've been hurt, like you said, and yes, you could say that about any team in baseball right now, but the Mets, man, I really dig this team. They're young, they're dynamic, they're fun to watch, and let's let's remember, these first two months of the season, who have been the two most anemic players on that team? And that has been Francisco Lindor and McCann. And who have been the two hottest players on that team this yeah. last week? That is Lindor and McCann. You knew both, both of them were going to turn it up. You know Lindor is going to finish this year with very good numbers. It's always going to happen, and everyone was hitting the panic button maybe just because he was in the in queens now i don't know but that's a team that is primed to go i think on a serious run especially with guys coming back you got luis guillorme coming back who yeah. is a that type of player by the way i know not everybody has seen it the way they've seen it with like fernando tatis jr and of course i don't want to sit here and say that luis guillorme is fernando tatis jr but that is a guy that does something quite extraordinary Every single day. And it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a bare hand play. It could be just working in a bat in a huge situation. You know, we saw it in spring training. He had himself a 23 worked pitch at bat walk. Like the guy is a really special ball player. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring back to that Mets lineup when he comes back. Yeah, Lindor is starting to get it going too. And, and it was just a matter of time. There, there's something about watching guys like Lindor and Fernando Tatis that, you know, I think remind you that you're watching a kid's sport because they act as though they are children out there. And I mean that in, in, in a positive fashion in terms of they constantly seem like they're enjoying themselves on the field. And uh, that's contagious and that's fun to watch. Like you can always watch a game with those two guys and envision yourself being able to, uh, to kind of put yourself back into that, that, that field again. And, that's what's fun about him. And Lindor, as I said, starting to swing the bat, he's already emerged as one of their one of their big leaders on the team, just watching them play over the four-game series. Yeah, he is fun to watch. And, yeah, you're not lying. He is fun. He, he, he just seems like he has a blast out there, like Fernando Tatis Jr. And he was another guy I want to throw in that ring, another guy that's just fun to watch out there play. Man, Marcus Stroman, I could watch that guy Ooh. pitch every day. He is yeah. a blast to watch on the field. He, he he's, he's small stature. But he pitches with a huge heart and, and a huge chip. And he gets out there, he gets to hesitating on his on his windup and sl- flipping that slider in there. He's got the two seam, he'll four seam. He he what was interesting about watching him pitch yesterday was he's kind of got two different attacks. And, and Cody, you can attest to this as a guy who played, right? Mm-hmm. You got two ty- two types of guys, right? Either they work east, west, sinker, slider. Or you got north-south. You got, you know, maybe a four-seam fastball and a split. But normally, that's how they're working. He can do both. You know, he can go sinker slider. He can go four-seam split. He can go with the changeup. Like, and he pitches to really all four quadrants. He's not as overpowering as maybe he was earlier in his career, but he's still got some life to his fastball. And um, you like guys who got a little moxie on the mound, and he definitely is one of them. Oh, Moxie is a is a word to use, but yeah, I definitely love I love everything he brings to the field. I love him on the mound. Not to mention, he's not as quite as dominant as he was earlier in his career, but also he's been adding in more, you know, disruptive timing, yeah, leg yeah. movement. Uh, you know, it's just he's been fun to watch and watching him grow as a player, and not only that, grow as a person off the field too. Uh, everything yeah. he does off the field, I could I couldn't be a bigger fan of Marcus Stroman if I tried, man. Yeah, no, but, he 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 he's a. Uh... He's he's special when it comes. He he's the new age athlete, right? He's he's got other interests aside from being on the field that he finds important, and 
He's not afraid to to speak up on issues uh, often. He, he's he's usually at the center of it, which I, I respect the hell out of. Yeah, same. But we're talking a lot about that team in New York. Let's talk about the other team in New York, and it is not quite as positive. They just got swept at home by the Boston Red Sox for the first time in a decade. What can you possibly say about the dumpster fire that is taking place in the Bronx? I don't know what to do. It feels like Aaron Boone has been asleep for weeks. I I, I feel like the team is not throwing well. People are hurt. They're not putting the bat on the ball nearly what they should be doing. This is a dynamic offense, but like like you could look at that lineup up and down. It is either you're striking out, you're homering. They picked up uh, Odor. It was just more of the same. I don't like what this team in the Bronx is doing at all and I don't think anyone in the Bronx feels uh, any differently than I do well I mean there's good news and bad news the good news is you're getting ready to face the twins and they don't look that much better the bad news about this is this has kind of been going on for a little bit they got off to a bad start and they got hot and now they're kind of with with some and now I got they got some guys hurt too as you said everybody can say that but they got some of their guys back and they have seemingly and it, listen it could just be that they ran into a, a, a buzzsaw in Boston right because they did take two of three from Tampa who is a very good team there um or no excuse me they split their series with Tampa they 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 it was a four game set but they played well in that series and, and so it, I, I don't want to completely shut the door on on the Yankees at this point we're only in June but there's certainly a lot of things to be uh, worried about it and number one I think aside from the health is a pitching they just as you mentioned uh Garrett Cole's last outing wasn't that great and he's got to be you know he's got to be the ace for that squad he's got to be able to stop bleeding in um especially as they're trying to figure out who they are offensively right I think they they were a team that hit the long ball but uh, they have their share of punch outs now it seems like they're not hitting the long ball and they have more uh, strikeouts and I think that's a problem for them yeah, and this is a team that has some of the biggest power hitters of the last decade, and they're just not putting it together. Guys are not getting on base. You know, DJ LeMahieu is one of the best, you know, pure hitters in the game, and even he's struggling not playing his normal game. It's just not – this is not the Yankees that you know, you were expecting to see. We were expecting to see, see this team absolutely dominate this division. We were expecting nothing out of the Red Sox at all, and the Red Sox right at the top of this division, only one game behind the Rays – who last week in our power rankings we agreed are the best team in baseball right now. I, I, what do you, what is your take on Aaron Boone? For instance, yesterday balls and strikes, tough balls and strikes. We saw a, a strike three call in Odor that was absolutely ridiculous, and uh, not much out of Aaron Boone. But however, his bench coach went crazy and got tossed for the second time this week. What's it going to take to get these guys up? Get them motivated? Something we've seen a lot of fire out of Aaron, uh, out of out of uh, Aaron Boone over the years. What what are we seeing right now? We, what is this subdued version? As somebody even said uh, this has been a very Will Pawnee type of Yankees. Yeah, you know what? My first instinct wonders if if this is a part of you know the health scare he had, where maybe he's trying to to take it a little easy. I don't know how that necessarily mixes with being the Yankee manager. Um, if that's the case, that may not be the case at all. Maybe he didn't find whatever it was upsetting. I didn't see the call that you're referring to, but I've read a lot about it, and it seems like it was pretty atrocious. And 
we've we've seen we've seen Booney get out there and really get after an umpire. I think we had a, one of the epic uh, takedowns of a of a of an umpire in quite some time when he was talking about his guys being savages in the box. So single, single uh, greatest quote by a manager <laughs> of the last twenty years. I believe the quote. And 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 pardon my crudeness. Pardon my crudeness. And and I'm going to drop a little profanity here. I believe the direct quote. My guys are fucking savages in the box. That was a real quote. Real quote said out loud, and I, I loved it. I'm not gonna lie. I wish I was still in uniform when when and had a manager that dropped that. That would have had me going so much. But but that's my point is that is what we've seen from him before. So to see this subdued uh, uh, Aaron Boone, it does raise your antennas a little bit, especially when they haven't been as consistent of a team that I think everybody expected coming into the season. Well, we're looking at this team right now. They, they're only two games over 500, but they're only six and a half back. Like you said, it's June. They can go on a massive tear and run. But what changes does this team need to make going forward? I, I immediately, first thing I look at, obviously, pitching. This yeah. team's pitching is just not there. Garrett Cole can only throw once a week. And like you said, he got hit around the other day. And Garrett Cole, unfortunately, he's in a position that he cannot get hit around at all, especially with the way this team is playing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think... It's, it's pretty obvious it starts at, at the pitching, right? I think um, they took some flyers on some guys going into this season. Talion was one of them. Um, still don't know what they're going to get from him. Um, and, and listen, they're still a little banged up in the starting rotation as well. So um, I, if they're going to get better, they're going to they're gonna have to start hitting. A, that's the number one thing. But the thing right behind that is it's going to be starting pitching. This could be a team that is in the market to upgrade that rotation some way, somehow. There is a name that keeps popping up in my head, and there's one name that I think everyone is going to be after and throwing prospects at the Washington Nationals, Max Scherzer. What jersey is he going to be wearing this second half of the season? I would not be shocked if it was a New York Yankee jersey. Listen, I, I, I'm. I, it's hard to say because – uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Yankee jersey either. I think you can never be surprised if it's if it's a Yankee or a Dodger jersey, right? Because they tend to be in the mix for these type of players come this time of year. But there is a, an element of me that isn't sure Washington yet recognizes what's in front of them. Uh, really? I, 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 I say that because their GM is, is, is pretty – Rizzo's one of those type of guys that – it's going to be tough to get by the time the end of July rolls through. Um, they're going to have to be way out of it for him to concede. I, I, I we've seen this kind of play out beforehand, uh, with the nationals. Uh, and, and so I just think he's one of those type of guys that, you know, it, it's going to take them being way out of the race for them to concede. And I'm not sure based on how everybody's playing in the national league East that they're going to be way out of the race by that time. You know, you're not wrong. The National League East is a division where everyone is under 500 with the exception of the Mets. And yeah, the Nats are in last place, but it is not out of the realm of possibility that it can, they can make a run as well. We saw what happened two years ago, but you know, that was, that was pure lightning team. in a bottle. Yeah. And yeah. a different team. I just, I, we've never really seen such a comeback like that. I can't imagine it happening again, especially looking at the team they're rolling out there right now. They just don't seem, there just doesn't seem to be any fire or magic to this ball club. 
like there was two years ago. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with that. They they haven't looked good at all, and they still got some. They got some good players over there, and you're right. There just doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency at all. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if, if if Rizzo gets to the point where he's ready to move a guy like Scherzer. It, it you know, you could get a whole lot back for him, but and part of me thinks you get a whole lot of back. A whole lot of part of me thinks that maybe you don't because teams are smarter now. They know if if they don't have a legitimate chance to re-sign him and bring him back, they're not going to be willing to just give away the best currency and the, the, the highest currency in the game, which is prospects. So it'll be interesting to see how this folds. And, and that's part of the reason why I think Rizzo may not do it is because the value won't be back, be what he wants to get back. And so he'll just he'll just sit on it. Possibly. I don't know. I just think there's too many teams that are going to want him. I think the San Francisco Giants is another team that immediately comes to my mind. Uh, I just I think they could be a potential sweepstakes for this for Max Scherzer, Listen, even, if, in, if, even in a rental. If, if yeah, if I say if they feel like if the if a team feels like they have a legitimate chance to re-sign him and bring him back, I I, I can I can totally pick up what you're putting down. It's just those teams that know they don't have a chance to bring him back and, and are in. Con- contention to to get into the playoffs i'm not sure they're going to be willing to mortgage what they have in their future especially in today's game if they don't think they have a legitimate chance to bring them back i can see that i don't see a cc sabathia to the milwaukee brewer right, situation right, coming up right, i definitely right. don't i agree with you on that but other teams uh in the league that are starting to heat up with uh some teams still standing pat in their situation the cincinnati reds have won four in a row and you know this is a team that we've talked about a little bit being a team that can offensively can be very dynamic but have really not lived up to their potential thus far especially this last year and a half but is this a team that you think can really make a run for this division because this is a division the NL Central that is very intriguing right now you got the Brewers and you have not been quiet and I haven't been quiet that we both agree that this is a playoff team the Cubs playing out of their mind lately with a lot of different ball players, you got to hand them, give them a lot of credit for how they played. They're in second place. They, I mean, they're tied for first with the Brewers. The biggest question so far to me has been the Cardinals. This is a team that I think should be dominating this division, and they just are not. What What do you think the Reds need to do to actually uh, climb the ladder a little bit in this division? I, I think they got to get better at the starting uh, starting pitching standpoint. Castillo's not having the type of year that we're used to seeing him have. Uh, in terms of uh, you know his numbers, offensively you you thought that they could be all right. I, we saw him in spring quite a bit, and you could see the makings. And we didn't get to see Winker that much, but I tell you what, I enjoy watching that guy hit. Man, he he can rake. He he generates some serious leverage with his height through the zone, and the ball comes off like a rocket. And he's just a straight up good hitter. He'll shoot you to left. He can do a little bit of it all. You got him and Nick Castellanos really battling it out at the top for uh, the lead, league leaders in hitting right now. I like what they can put together offensively. The question is, can that bullpen hold up? And can, do they have enough starting pitching in that division where um, you got some good teams? The Cubs, Padres have seen them. They're going to see them again starting tonight. Uh, we've seen the Brewers twice already. We've had the the, the Woodward uh, the the Woodred uh, uh, Corbin Burns experience, which ain't all that fun. Uh, which, by the way, Padres have seen those two guys: Bauer, Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and as those guys have pitched well against them. And I'm telling you, that's how impressive Degrom was. Nobody was even close to his performance. Sorry to go back, but it just 
cross my mind. But back to the Reds. They, uh, I, I think that's where the question is, right? Starting pitching bullpen. Can they add? Do they have enough uh, to compete in that division? Because as you said, the Cubs playing good. Brewers are playing good. Cardinals kind of just treading water there. You know, eventually they'll they'll start to play good baseball. And I, that could be what we thought the NL East was going to be this year. No, I completely agree. But I'm looking at the schedule coming forward with the Cardinals right now. They're a team that I think has got, I wouldn't say an easy month ahead of them. They got, you know, three games coming up against the Cubs. But then they got the Marlins, the Braves, who have just not played up to their potential either as well coming in. Then the Tigers and Pirates. I think the Cardinals are in a position really to really gain some wins here and uh, make some serious way in the NL Central. What do you think about that? I think it's I think it's always possible, right? I think uh, I, I there's there are certain brands you trust in. Cardinals is one of them, right? You you just feel like eventually they get it going. They got the right kind of leadership uh, in that organization, and um, I, they were the team to me to start the season. It was it was them and the Brewers, and now we're finding out the Cubs are actually for real. The the Reds have gotten hot. Not sure if if that's sustainable, but uh, listen, I, I like the offense that the Cardinals had. You know, Dylan Carlson, uh, Nolan Arnado, you know, you know, Tommy Edmond. I mean, they got a lot of good players offensively. Um, I'm just I, I'm skeptical that they score enough um in that division. It, it, considering some of the plays, I, I'm not sure that they put up runs consistently enough. They're still missing DeJong, who's gone, uh, who, who's who's injured right now. So they're not whole yet until they get him back. Um, but I, I, I am a little skeptical. I, I like the Brewers, as we, you and I have both talked about. I like the Brewers in this division um, a little bit better than I like the Cardinals. I think, you know, initially I just loved the Cardinals, but you might be swaying me. Those Brewers are just – they're just an annoying team. They, they don't are. go they away. Are. Yeah, and, Paul, and now and now Yelich, Christian Yelich is starting to swing the bat again. And that was the thing that – was starting to worry me a little bit. He was injured, then he was back. He was still finding his rhythm. He's starting to get going, and it, and we've seen him. He, he's he's an MVP type player. When he's going, that offense is just completely different. And you know, we're talking a lot about the National League Central, and you know, we even really mentioned the Cubs, who are currently tied with first place with the Brewers. And yeah. how about Patrick Wisdom this week? What seven bombs <laughs> this week? Let's got go. The- he got the Padres for three of them, I think, in the in the series in Chicago. And listen, man, I, I never heard of Patrick Wisdom until the Padres rolled in there, and I came away thoroughly impressed uh, for with that young man at third. He can play some third. He's a, an offensive threat in that lineup. Can he sustain it? I think we'll find out. He's going to get certainly get the opportunity to do it. Um, and listen, Rizzo starting to get it going. He was he's been banged up. They're still missing Hayward out there. He's been banged up. Um, and that team, listen, they're, they're champions. They got a lot of champions still on that, on that roster. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about, um, a team that doesn't have, uh, with the nationals that doesn't play with a lot of passion. That's not, you can't say that about the Cubs. They're playing with that type of passion. You see Rizzo and Contreras mixing it up in the, in the dugout. I don't, those kind of scuffles as Cody, you can attest to happen really all the time. It happened at least a couple times a year. And, um, that's usually a sign of some life, especially for a team like that and those two particular players. And then they bounce back and win the next couple games in that, that giant series. So yeah. I, I, I like where the Cubs are at right now. 
Me too, but I keep thinking one thing. How much better would this team be? Would you, Darvish? You, Darvish. <laughs> Why? Why isn't he there? What is? What did they do? It's hilarious that you brought that up. Me and my partner Jesse Agler were talking about that on the on the show on the game during the game the other day. It was like, well, certainly appreciate the Cubs uh, <laughs> handing them over this way because because they would be really tough to deal with if they had you still. And I think they thought they were punting on the season. And they would let be it would just be an easy kind of, you know, separation between them and their 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 free agents to be. But the free agents to be are making it difficult because they're out there playing some good ball. And now all of a sudden this team is sitting atop first. It's going to be hard for the Cubs brass to convince the fans in Chicago that it's better to just punt on this year come deadline time when they when they need to add something or a piece and they can. And they decide not to. It's gonna be that's gonna be a tough sell for the folks in uh, Chicago. You know what they should? You know who they should trade for? Who? You Darvish. <laughs> nah, there's no shot they're getting you Darvish. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Well, we mentioned some teams. Uh, we mentioned that I, I just mentioned a minute ago that I think the Cardinals are a team that could make a, a big run this month. I did mention last week a team that I thought was going to get their act together, and that's the Minnesota Twins. And guess what? I was wrong. Man, oh, man, they are terrible. What the hell happened in Minnesota? I, I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it. I mean, this team, I mean, obviously a lot has gone wrong. They haven't pitched well. They haven't hit at all. Um, but you you wouldn't have been able to convince me that before the season. You, you just wouldn't. I thought this team would be taking a step forward, uh, adding some defense like Andrelton Simmons, but it just has not worked out the way they were expecting it to work out. Um, yeah, they're in, I mean, they're in last place in the division. They're in they last place by a large spot, too. Yeah. yeah, and they dropped two or three to the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, they just – they cannot compete right now. And I normally don't say this in June, but – it might be time for these guys to start planning selling really soon and start yeah. planning for the future because this there is no way they're coming back in this division. Well, you know the Sharks, sharks are already circling, right? It's June. Teams have already started to identify the Twins as as one of those teams that will could be a seller, and they got a lot to sell. So, I mean, listen, they could, they could get fat during this time of the year if they choose to go that route. I don't know that they could make a good argument for not going that route, though. I mean – they sit in last place, but tied with the Detroit Tigers for last Oof. in the in the American League Central with twenty four and thirty five. They're twelve out from the White Sox. Um, I only see that getting larger. I don't see it getting closer at this point. Uh, there's nothing they've shown this year that says they got a chance to close the gap. They they've I, done yeah. they they're they're and listen they're five and five in their last ten. So that means they're actually playing better baseball in the last ten than they were previous. And I, I just don't see that continuing. Me neither. I, I think it's time for them to look at it. Like you said, they have a lot of pieces to sell that they can be right back in this division within two years. That's how much they have to sell at the moment. Yeah. Um, you, you know, but it's it's just a, a bit of a disappointment. You got to feel for fans in Minnesota. They thought they were going to have themselves a World Series contending team. And just, you know, we talked about how things have been going in New York and the Bronx. The Bronx, uh, the Yankees, they're about to face the Twins. And if one thing we know, death taxes and the Yankees always beat the twins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, what we also know is the twins have a hard time getting out of the first round. It's just where they're, no matter who they play. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't see a lot of hope for this, for this twin team. Um, and I see 
a lot of teams being able to be benefactors of of the Twins selling. I mean, who wouldn't want to add a guy like Nelson Cruz? Who wouldn't want to add a guy like uh, Josh Donaldson? I mean, there there are some guys that can seriously help some contenders down the stretch. And as I said, the Twins are going to be in position. And listen, you'll be able to keep enough young of your young guys that are on that big league roster that, as you said, they can compete again with the type of guys they can bring back from these trades within the next couple of years. So uh, I think that's the way that the Twins should go. Whether Will they go that way? We'll have to find out. You mentioned Nelson Cruz. There's a team right now in the American League West that I definitely could see him fitting. That That's the Houston Astros. Can you imagine Ooh. that team adding that bat in the lineup? No, I can't. I, I we saw them. For, <laughs> we saw them for three, and they are offensively they're they're as good as it gets. I mean, mm-hmm. Altuve's back swinging it. Bregman's doing his thing as always. Correa's swinging the bat really well. Um, he seems to be healthy now too. Uh, if you had a guy like the year they added Verlander, it was like, uh oh, this could turn mm-hmm. in, this could turn into trouble. If they added a guy like Cruz in that stadium, right handed, are you kidding me? He would, yeah. he would, he would, he would make. It's already, it's called, it's called Minute Maid Little League Park, basically for a reason. He would make that thing look smaller. He really would. He would make one thing that it'll immediately do. It would make me look at the A's and make me wonder what they can pull off. Because if Nelson Cruz went to a team like the Astros, the A's are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, no, because there's not a lot of separation between those two teams. And I tell you what, the Astros got some really good young pitching. Um, and they've been, again, they've been banged up as well. And yet they've been able to stay right there. They're one out of first place right behind Oakland. You had a Nelson Cruz is worth that one game. He's worth more than that one game. So I don't know what Oakland could do. We know they're not, um, they're not really the type of team that's going to go out and spend, uh, (laughs) during that time of year, but they would have to do something. I don't know what it is, but they'd have to do something for sure. Well, I got a question for you. We talked about the Twins. We think we both agree that the Twins, we expected them to be winning. Terrible year. Most likely going to be the first sellers in baseball. What team has completely shocked you this year? Because not just the Twins. There's another team that has just shocked me, but in the complete different direction, and that is the Boston Red Sox. I did not expect anything out of Boston this year. I expected them to be towards the seller of the division. Look what we have in Boston. It has just been a blast to watch. Can this team sustain this? I don't know. I still think the jury's out. But I tell you what, I love Bogarts, man. I've always been a fan of his. He he is just um, he he's, he just kind of do, does his thing. Like he is exceptional hitter. He can field. He does so many things. So he's a good athlete out there. I just enjoy watching. There's something about watching his swing that that I can sit back and really watch all day. Uh, I don't know if the if the Red Sox can 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 continue this. I do know that Cora makes a huge difference on that bench. He just does. Those guys lo- seem to love to play for him. Um, he, he's done a great job since coming back. Um, I think it remains to be seen if they can if they can keep this up. Will they get sell back in time? How will he look if he does come back? So w- w- they they could end up adding pieces without even having to make a trade, which is always a bonus. Uh, but I still think the team that has been most surprising is the San Francisco Giants. Now, although I was hip to the fact that they would be competitive, I had no idea that they would be sitting 37 and 22 right now at this point in the season. Um, even as some of the hot starts that they got from a pitching staff has started to level out, 
Uh, Gosman's still doing his thing, but guys like DiScafani is starting to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They're still rolling. They're still finding ways to win games. So, I, I, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to convince me that this is not a true three team race in the National League West at this point because they've been that yeah, good. Yeah, and you've seen guys really stepping up. Guys like Brandon Crawford, who've already had monster years in their yeah. career, and we might be seeing the best version of Brandon Crawford. I think you're right. Just, and it just so happens to be a contract year. What are the odds of that? I love that. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that happens? Soon as the contract year is up, all of a sudden you're getting like the best of the best. Little motivation, you know, I, little motivation there, I think. You see, I, I never knew that you could do that all the time because I never got to have a contract year because I was mostly <laughs> in 3A. And quite frankly, every year was a contract year. Yeah, that is so true. It's like, I, it's like I don't know if I was ever good enough to just turn it on like that. You know what I'm Man, saying? Un- <laughs> definitely was it, right? Yeah, and this I mean, you got I also think you got to give a little bit of credit to Gabe Kapler. He's done a hell of a job over there Absolutely. in San Francisco. It, it's been just they're a fun team to watch and like you said, yeah, it's the West Coast baseball this year is the best baseball. We got I, the Giants, Dodgers and Padres and it's only going to get better. I, I I totally agree. I think Gabe has done a terrific job. I, I think He's he's gotten those guys to buy in because they don't play like a regular style of, uh, of baseball that we see. They're hyper aggressive when it comes to if a, if you make a pitch and change in the third or fourth, and they had uh, lefties matching up against your righty, and you bring a lefty, in, they will take out everybody they can and bring in a righty and line their line and, and get their lineup the matchups they want. And uh, Gabe is very aggressive with it, and it works. And as long as they continue to get the bullpen that they have all season. Uh, and those starters continue to pitch at the level. And listen, as I said, some of them have started to come back to earth, but they are still winning games. So they're pitching well enough. Uh, they're hitting enough. Some of those, some of those old dogs, if you will, have have uh, have started to come back and, and play some of their best baseball. And so, I, I, I like I said, I think the Giants are for real. I agree with you, and I, I can't wait to see where this goes, especially when we get towards the trade deadline. Like you mentioned, the Dodgers are a team you know is always going to be in that trade deadline looking for new arms, maybe another bat. No, 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 what the Padres are going to do with A.J. Preller at the helm. He might just bring in a whole new team. He might just add the Detroit Tigers somehow. And, you know, the Giants are a team that are just primed to make some moves. I don't know. This is going to be real interesting come the end of July, and I'm pretty fired up. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's going to be a lot of fun baseball to watch. Summer's going to get hot. Hopefully these bats wake up. We've we've gone from the possibly the worst offense in the history to the second worst. We want to keep moving up that ladder, um, but certainly this is going to be a lot a fun summer to to watch baseball. I agree with you, man. Well, we're going to be with you all summer long talking about it right here on Big Time Baseball. Tony, where can people find you? You can follow me at on Twitter, at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at Decker6, and now you can follow this show on Twitter as well. Check us out at RDC underscore BTV. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Tony, can't wait to do this again. Let's do it. Let's enjoy more baseball. And, man, we'll be back here next week. Cannot wait, dude. Yes, sir. See you next week. Later, brother. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 